You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. Welcome to Section 7 of our course on the Holy Trinity. I am Father Kenneth Baker, editor of the Homiletic and Pastoral Review. I have the task of trying to explain to you, shall we say, the absolute mystery of the Holy Trinity. And I'll do the best I can. In the last talk, number 6, we covered the notion of the two activities in God, which are called processions. That is, the activity of thinking and the activity of willing and in connection with those two processions that we get the second and the third person, namely the Word of God, who became man in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So now for section number seven, I want to speak more about how the Father produces the Son. This is called the generation of the Son, because remember we said that the Son is referred to in Scripture and in the creeds as begotten or generated, whereas the Father is not generated and not begotten. So we're going to talk about that generation then of the Son, who is the perfect image of the Father. He's referred to as the Word of God, because it's a mind that conceives a word. Scripture refers to him as the image of God, and he's also the wisdom of God. You'll notice that those terms, word, image, wisdom, they all refer to thinking, to intellection in one way or another. And so when we say that the Father generates the Son, it is by reason of the intellectual activity of the Father that the Son is generated. Now it's clear then from the New Testament and from the teaching of the Church, the creeds, that the first person in the Trinity is the Father, the second person is the Son. And since God is a pure spirit, God is spirit, as our Lord says in the fourth chapter of St. John, that is, since he does not have a body and is completely independent of matter, it should be obvious that there's no sexuality in God. There's no male and female in God. But if there's no sex in God, we might ask, then why are the first two persons in the Trinity called Father and Son. Among human beings, the father-son relationship is based on the sexual act of procreation. But we don't have anything like that in God, a sexual act of procreation, but still he's referred to as father and the second person is referred to as son. So they're referred to as father and son because there is a generative activity in God which has some similarities to generation among human beings and animals. Some similarities. Thomistic philosophy and theology, they refer to this as an analogy. The analogy means there's something similar and something different. So it's like generation of male and female, but not exactly the same thing. Generation is defined by the theologians as the origin of a living being from another living being having the same nature the origin of one living thing from another living being 
having the same nature. So in earthly things, oak trees produce oak trees, monkeys produce monkeys, cats produce cats, and fish the same kind of produces salmon, produce salmon, and so forth. You'll note, though, that in the relationship in these examples is between material beings, a father and his son, or monkeys generating monkeys, or cows generating cows, or something like that. But in all true generation, there is a similarity between the origin or the source and what is produced, that is, the product, the son or the offspring of whatever animal it might be or whatever plant it might be. Now, in our preceding talk, number six, we considered then the two processions in God, that of the Son and that of the Holy Spirit. At present, we will confine our attention to the procession of the Son from the Father. In the next talk, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. But in today's class, we're going to talk about the generation of the Son from the Father. We said that the Father generates the Son. How does the Father generate the Son if there is no sex in God? Now the Church, aided by her best theologians and saints and preachers throughout the ages, teaches that the Father generates the Son by an act of intellect. That may be hard for some of you to grasp, but we want to try and explain that. He generates the Son by an act of intellect. We all know that Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, is called the Word in the New Testament. For example, in the beginning of St. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And elsewhere in the New Testament, also in the book of Revelation, 19th chapter, Jesus is referred to as the Word of God. Now, a word is produced only by an intellect or by a mind. The external word, whether vocal or written, is a symbol of an idea in the mind or what is called the mental word. So all of our words, whether in English or Latin or German or Russian or Chinese, they're all symbols. They're symbols that stand for ideas in the mind of the one who has conceived them. That's called the mental word. The idea is the mental word. You have to have an idea before you can give expression to it in words. If there were no mental word, there would be no vocal word. Thus, for example, animals utter grunts and groans and cries and so forth. They make sounds of various kinds. But they do not produce words. The reason is that since they do not have a mind or an intellect, they cannot produce an internal idea to which the word refers. So since they have no mental word, they have no physical or visible words. One of my students once, when I was teaching this, said, well, how do you know that the chickens, you know, when there's nobody around, go out behind the chicken coop and have a conversation? Well, the answer to that is that if the chickens did that, Somebody would have perceived it at some time or another. And if they had ideas, they would have improved their lot as chickens. So they can make sounds, but they don't have any ideas to express. Now, we've already seen that there are two processions in God. In a spiritual being like God, there are only two internal activities. 
that is knowing and willing. And if there's to be a difference between the two processions in God, and there is, then one must be according to the intellect and the other according to the will. So basing his teaching on the Bible and tradition, the church says that the Son is generated by the Father by an act of intellect, something similar to generation between animals and human beings, but not exactly the same, partly the same, partly different. It's the production of a living being from another living being of the same nature. Now, it's possible to use the word generation for this activity because generation means the production of a living being from another, and both having the same nature. Intellectual activity, then, is similar to sexual generation. It's similar to it. There's an analogy between it and sexual generation because the mind produces an idea which is the image or representation of the thing known. When I know an elephant, I have an idea. I have an image of an elephant in my mind. That elephant has to be in my mind in some way before I can give expression to it in the word elephant. So in order to know an oak tree, some representation, for example, of the oak tree must be in my mind. If it were not, then I could not know the oak tree and I could not give any expression to it. So the oak tree has to be in my mind in some way before I can give expression to it. Now, as we know, God is absolutely simple. There's no composition whatsoever in God. Composition implies potentiality. And there's no potentiality in God. God is totally act. Therefore, God is absolutely simple, which means that he has no parts. Everything that we know in the material universe has parts. God has no parts. He's not composed in any way. This means that he is identified with his knowing and his willing. Therefore, God knows himself perfectly. That is, he has a perfect idea or image of himself. That perfect idea or image is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So the perfect idea that God the Father has of himself is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He has the same nature as the Father and is equal to the Father. He has everything that the Father has because he's a perfect image of the Father except to be Father. He's Son instead of being Father. On this point, the Roman Catechism, which is a good source of Catholic doctrine, this is the catechism that was produced by the Council of Trent and St. Charles Borromeo around the year 1568, 1569, something like that. The Roman Catechism says, quote, For just as our spirit, knowing itself, produces a picture of itself, which theologians have called a word, so God also, insofar as the human can be compared with the divine, knowing himself generates the eternal word. Thus, the generation of the Son from the Father is to be conceived purely as an intellectual generation or as an act of the intellect, end of the quote. So that is the statement shortly after the close of the Council of Trent in the 16th century. I say the one who was mainly responsible for that was St. Charles Borromeo, who was the Bishop of Milan at that particular time. Now, generation and intellection both involve likeness. Since the Son of God, then, is the perfect image of the Father, we are entitled to say that he is generated by an act of the intellect. In the New Testament, the second person of the Trinity is called 
the Word of God, as we saw in the first chapter of St. John's Gospel, and also in his first letter, the first chapter, he refers to the second person as the Word of God. Since a word is produced by an intellect, this name indicates then that the Son is the product of the knowledge of the Father. The Father has a perfect image of himself, a perfect idea of himself. That's what the Son is. And incidentally, that's one of the reasons why the Son is the revelation of the Father. He's the one who reveals the Father to us because he's the perfect image of the Father. Now, the second person is also called the wisdom of God by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.24. He refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God and the power of God. The personal name wisdom indicates that the Son is generated by an act of cognition of the Father. Wisdom is an activity, it's a product of the mind, of intellection. We have in the Bible the book of Proverbs, we have the book of Wisdom, the book of Sirach. You have what we call wisdom books because they have very wise sayings in them based upon human experience. The expression image of the invisible God that St. Paul calls Jesus in Colossians 1.15, he says he is the image of the invisible God, and he also calls him a perfect copy of the substance of God. A perfect copy of the substance of God. That's in the letter to the Hebrews, first chapter, third verse, right at the very beginning. These expressions indicate that the generation of the Son takes place through that activity in the Father which tends to produce a likeness of himself, namely through the activity of knowing. Therefore, since the Bible refers to the Son by using the word and wisdom and image of the invisible God, and since these terms are all related to knowing or cognition or intellection, we are justified then in saying that the Father generates the Son by an act of knowledge. So what is this all about? Well, this is a further insight when we say that theology is faith-seeking understanding. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, there's threeness in God. What are they? Well, we saw that there are three persons. We're going to say more about that also. Well, where did these three persons come from? The explanation is through the processions, that there are two processions in God, one of intellection, and one of will. We're concentrating in today's talk on this first procession, that is the activity of thinking in God, which produces a perfect image of himself, and that perfect image of himself is substantial, it's a subsistent individual person, which we call the second person of the Blessed Trinity, or the Word of God. So that there's an essential relationship between the nature of the second person, that is Jesus Christ our Lord, the Word of God, and the mind of the Father or the thinking of the Father. And as I said, it's because of that that he is able to reveal the Father to us because he is the perfect image of the Father. Our point here then in today's talk is that the Son proceeds from the intellect of the Father by way of generation. Now, Scripture and tradition affirm that the Son and the Word in God are the same person. Those are two names for the same person, the Son and the Word. The Word proceeds, as we saw, by an act of knowing. And there's an analogy between the procession of the Word in God and the production of a Word in human thinking. 
Just as when we know elephant and we get an idea of elephant, we have a mental image of elephant, and we can express that by the word elephant or in different word in other languages, or we can draw a picture of it. So also, it's something similar in God. The God knowing himself has a perfect image of himself, but that is infinite, and in this case, it produces a second person in God. Now, as we said in the first few talks, this is something we know only from Revelation. You never get this from philosophy. The philosophers never, ever arrived at this. This is made known to us by Jesus in speaking about his Father and himself as the Son and the Holy Spirit and the relations between them. That's what we're trying to clarify in this course on the Holy Trinity. Now, there is knowing in God, and the Word proceeds by that activity. We don't say that the divine processions are based immediately on the substance of God, but the processions are related to the activities of God, that is, of thinking and of willing. Now, this point with regard to the intellectual generation of the Son is commonly held by Catholic theologians and has been held by them for many centuries. It is presupposed in the Catechism of the Council of Trent. It's taught by the popes. Pope Leo XIII wrote a whole letter about this in which he makes use of this notion that the second person of the Blessed Trinity is produced by intellectual generation from the Father. St. Augustine, back in the 4th, 5th century, in referring to this, said that with regard to the second person, that he is Son for the same reason that he's the Word, because the Word is generated by the mind, similar to the way a son is generated by a father. And he also said that the same property is implied in the name of Word as in the name of Son. So Son and Word then mean basically the same thing when referred to the second person in the Blessed Trinity. Now, proof of this from Scripture, the first chapter of St. John is the best one, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Revelation 19, 13, we read, The name by which he is called is the Word of God, referring to the triumphant Jesus who triumphs over the devil. In the first chapter of the first letter of St. John, he refers to Jesus as the Word of Life. So in all these passages, the Son of God is called the Word. And we find the same thing in the early popes and theologians. There's something similar about this from the name of the wisdom of God. St. Paul refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God. So if the Son proceeds by intellect, then we can see why he's presented in the wisdom books as a personal being, born of the Father. We find this in Wisdom 8, Proverbs 8, and Sirach 24, those three references in the Old Testament. St. Thomas Aquinas, in the first part of the Summa, question 35, articles 1 and 2, argues from the name of the image of God, which in Scripture is said of the Son. So he's the image of the invisible God, an image of something must be similar to its source. And it's the intellect which produces the word, which is an image of the Father. So that's the justification referring to the Son as the image. St. Thomas also says in question 27, article 1 of the first part, that the two divine processions of the Son and the Holy Spirit must take place according to the imminent operations proper to a spiritual nature. 
But the first operation of this kind is intellection. There are two internal activities of the spiritual nature, intellection and will. The first one is intellection. You have to know something before you can will it or desire it. So the first operation of this kind is intellection. Therefore, the first procession in God is a procession from the intellect of God, and that's the Word of God, the Son who became man in Jesus Christ. Now, just as the human mind, when it knows, forms an image of the thing known, because by it the mind speaks with itself in some way, so also in his own way the Father, the first person of the Holy Trinity, when he knows by his infinite intellect, produces a term which is a certain expression of the thing known, which is properly called the word. That is, what God knows is his himself. There's nothing else for God to know other than himself. The reason why creatures exist and why we exist is because God knows us. It's not the other way around. When we know something, we come across something, and you see it and say, well, what is that? And somebody explains it, well, that's an automobile, or that's an airplane, or that's a rocket, or something like that. Then you get some kind of idea of it. It exists before you do. But it's the other way around with God. Since God is eternal and infinite and the creator of the heavens and the earth, he knew them before they existed. He willed them into existence. So they exist because he knows them. It's not the other way around, not the way it is with us. We know things because they exist. Now, this is so with regard to the relationship of the Son to the Father, because the word in general, by the fact that it corresponds to speaking, is something produced as an intellectually representative sign, which therefore implies an intellectual nature as such, as its principle and as its source. That's what theologian of the 17th century Suarez said about this point of the intellectual generation of the Son. So the divine word agrees with the internal human word inasmuch as it is spiritual, it's permanent, it's imminent, and it's naturally representing the known object. However, the divine word is very different, obviously, from the human word. The human word is accidental. The divine word is substantial, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The created word is very limited, but the divine word is infinite in perfection. So all the perfection that the Father has, he has infinite perfection, infinitely good, infinitely wise, infinitely merciful, infinitely just, infinitely powerful, all these various characteristics, properties that we can attribute to God, all of these are communicated to the Son. Because everything that the Father has is communicated to the Son, except to be Father. There's what's called a relative opposition here between fatherhood and sonship, or filiation. So that's where we get the multiplicity in God. The only place where you get multiplicity in God is in relationship, as we're going to explain in future talks, between the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father, and the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit back to the Father and the Son. Other than that, everything is identical in God. So as we said, there's only one thinking in God, there's only one willing in God, there's only one consciousness in God. There are not three thinkings or three acts of the will in God, only one. Now, one might ask, the final point is, by what kind of knowledge of God does the Son proceed? Is it by his necessary knowledge of himself, or is it by his 
knowledge of contingent things, that is, things that he created. And the response to that is that the word proceeds from the necessary knowledge that God has of himself. That is, the knowledge that he has of his own divine being as capable of being represented in millions of different ways by the various creatures that he has created. So the word proceeds from the necessary knowledge of God, not the knowledge that God has of contingent things. By contingent things, we mean any future thing that might exist, since all things were future to God at one time before he created them, any future thing, or what's called a future of bull, anything that might happen or could happen, all that kind of knowledge is associated with the production of the second person. But the second person proceeds from the necessary knowledge of the Father, which he has of himself as infinite and simple being. So this then, to wrap this up, is the presentation that the church gives and theologians give of the generation of the Son by an act of intellect of the Father. And in the next talk, we'll go on to talk about how the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and Son by an act of the will. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.